Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Are we, are, are, is this your family? I don't know about you, but it's my family. I love my family family. Don't be real with y'all. I hope none of my family family is watching. Maybe I do. I don't hope that. I wish they are, but I don't mean this the way it's going to sound. But I'd really rather be with this family most of the time than I would with that family. Some of them. Some of y'all, it's not that way. Can anybody relate? How many of those you feel more love sometimes with this family than you do with your actual family? You feel more connection and same page. Where some of the only, it even happened to Jesus. Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor except in his own house and his own family. Amen. All right, listen, I'm going to preach a message today. I know I'm in the middle of greater, and, uh, but God's interrupted greater again. Uh, it's probably going to end up being a greater series than any series ever, meaning it's going to go longer than any series in history, including even my teaching on the book of Revelation. I'm imagining greater shall finish somewhere around the summer of 22. Because when God interrupts, you got to do what God tells you to do. Okay? So today, I want to give you a preview of a series that I'm going to do in January that's also going to be another interruption of greater. And it don't, may only be two or three weeks is my intention. And it's called, let's say it out loud, Renew You in 22. That sounds cute and catchy. Somebody say it again. Renew you in 22. Somebody say, I'm going to be a new man or woman in 22. 22 is for the new. I'm going to tell you something. I believe Something new, at least new to this generation, is going to happen in 2022. I believe we need something new. I believe we need some things renewed. Come on, somebody. How many know some things that are about to expire, if you subscribe to it, you'll get an email saying you're about to have to renew. And if you want to keep it, you got to renew it. There's some things that need to be renewed, but there's some things that need to be canceled. There's some subscriptions in the church that we need to cancel. There's something, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, needs to be renewed and some things need to be canceled. I'm going to tell you something. In 30 years of pastoring, 27 years pastoring, church i don't know if i have ever seen the church in the condition that it is in now i've never seen the church in 30 years of pastoring compromise as much as it has i've never seen in 30 years of pastoring a church for the most part that is as powerless as they are now as intimidated as they are now, as full of fear as they are now, as worldly as they are now. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting this morning. I saw a thing that Pastor Miles Rutherford had posted about a pastor 
who was also a drag queen. And he had, he is an officially, officially ordained pastor in a mainline denomination. And his ministry is to perform alongside other drag queens to bridge the gap. There, what I'm talking about earlier about the hijacking of the words of compassion and love between the local church and the gay community. He is gay himself. He is a drag queen himself. And, and I simply shared it because I'd seen that from Pastor Miles and I shared it and I said, church, we need to wake up and understand this is not a statement against the trans community, but this is a statement in support of biblical doctrine and biblical truth. Okay? It's not a statement against this man. It's not a statement against what he thinks he wants to do and what his church wants to do. That's their local congregation. They'll, they'll do, stand before God, good or bad, just like this one will. But I said, listen, I'm not going to accept this as the norm in the local church. So I want you to know that for those that are wondering, this is not biblical. I want to tell you something. I got private messages, and I'm thankful that I got private messages. I wouldn't have cared if they had posted publicly. But I had private messages from people that I care for, that I know, asking me, did you even read the article? Did you even watch the video? Did you even see the good that is being done? If you would have read the article, you would see what this pastor was trying to do, and one person said, and I mean this with respect if they're watching this, I, I, I love you, I love you, but I'm, I'm not revealing who you are, I'm just, I'm just revealing what you said to me, and you said this, most many pastors in this day could learn from this man, was the words they said to me. I had a lot that I wanted to respond with. And I responded simply this. I read the whole article. That's all I said. I mean this in love. I don't need to learn nothing from that. Other than I need to love people more and tell people more the truth. I mean that. I mean, that's, you call that hate speech if you want to. That's not. That's not hate speech. Listen, that word hate has been hijacked too. Are you hearing me? Hate used to mean that you literally fervently, an emotion with inside of you, hate and loathe something. Now hate means, if you don't agree with me, you hate me. I can disagree with you without hating you. I can have lunch with you and, not, and be on two sides of an aisle of an issue and not hate you. So we need to take the word love back. We need to take the word hate back. Our world is in shambles. Marriages are ending in divorce at alarming rates. Crime is on a level like we've not seen, at least in generations. 
I, I'm a subscriber to a local news station. They give you the updates. Shows up on my watch. Every morning, every single morning, I get an update of who was shot and killed. And in the last few months, almost every day, a child has been shot in Birmingham. A child has been shot. Some intentionally, some as just caught in the crossfires. We are in a mess. Now, I'll be honest with you. I get, I get updates every day about murder and shootings and politics. I hardly ever get no updates on what God is doing. That is all 100% has always been this way. My responsibility. If I want to know what the Lord has said, then I need to go ask Him what He's saying. The world, I cannot rely on the world and some article about what some church is doing to bridge some kind of gap to try to tell me what God is doing in this time. I already know what God is doing in this time. In fact, He told us about this time. Are y'all awake back there? Y'all have your coffee? Okay. Financial lack. And quite frankly, financial mismanagement and a complete reworking of the mindset of how God blesses people financially has been instituted in this day. People don't want to work anymore. They want somebody to send them a check. But my Bible, I'm sorry to keep going back to my Bible, but my Bible says if you don't work, you are worse than an infidel, which is an, an opponent of God, and you have departed from the faith. Goes on to say, if you want to eat, you got to work. If a man does not work, let him not eat. Do y'all like to eat? No comment. Because I'm talking about, I, I, was you talking about me? Okay, I was going to receive it. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind every hindering spirit. I'm not, not because I feel you now, but because I know this topic is a topic in a, Satan that you use to mess with people's minds. I bind every religious spirit. I bind tradition. I bind strongholds of the past. I bind hurt. I bind offense in the name of Jesus. What is the problem? What is the core problem of our nation? You might be surprised by the answer. Many of our problems, divorce, crime, financial lack, struggle, compromise, issues of medical decisions, Medicine, 
advice, legal advice, medical advice, decisions that need to be made in our life that are life-altering decisions. All of them, you might be surprised by the answer. Almost every problem that you will ever face and you will ever see in the condition of the world in which we live, that we live, are tied to our relationship with money. Consistently, the number one and number two decision for someone to divorce is infidelity, lust, and money issues. It's never changed. They want something better. They found out that one was misusing, tired of the struggle. I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest it, chew it up, swallow it, eat it, eat the word today. Then make your decision between you and God, how you receive it. But don't judge me until you hear me out. Can I get an amen? I want to read you something. I want to ask you if this sounds like the condition of the world in which we live. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 3 says this. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. From which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, whose suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we will carry nothing out. Can I get an amen? And having food and clothing, with these things we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. How did all of this happen? The famous verse, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So in that one passage we we read of pride, disputes, arguments over words. How many knows we have literally killed people over the meaning of words? Sticks and stones shall break my bones, but words shall never hurt me. Lies, lies, lies. It's all lies. Words can destroy you. Envy, strife, evil suspicions, being suspicious of our neighbors. Having to watch every little thing you say. Walk on eggshells because if you say one thing and you use one word that ain't just right, you're going to get canceled on social media. 
He says the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm telling you right now, I've heard people say this before. You need to be reminded of this. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. In fact, God ain't got no problem with you having money. He's just got a problem with money having you. He ain't got no problem with you having things and nice things. He just don't want the nice things having you. When the nice things are all that matter to you, you've moved away from being blessed into being greedy. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not just one evil. Let's think about a few things that's in our world right now. Do you know what didn't get reported other than one little blip that I heard today or two days ago? Is that one of them, I can't remember if it's Pfizer or Moderna, just approved a virus pill. $50 billion contract with the government to disperse it in America and around the world. All that free tests you took, all them free jabs you got, they weren't free. In case you didn't know that, they weren't free. You might not have paid for them. Actually, you did. But somebody paid for them shots. Somebody paid for that thing they stuck up in your brain. Huh? Ain't nothing free. Everything revolves around money. Billions upon billions of dollars are being made. Get quiet in here. But nobody talks about that. Many of the ones that are giving advice, if you trace it back, you'll realize they're getting kickbacks to say certain things and not say other things. Because if they say other things, the money be cut off. Preachers, can I be real with y'all? Boy, I tell you what, if I ain't run you off yet, I'm about to run you off. Preachers call themselves reverend, ain't preached a sermon in years. But you see them on every time anything happens, they're in front of the camera. They don't pastor a church. But they're millionaires. I said in a meeting of pastors in Birmingham. And I'm still with that, that organization. Love it. Sit in that room in Birmingham, Alabama and was told about all the pastors in Birmingham that are on the payroll of the government. That when election time comes, they come to these churches in Birmingham, they meet with the pastors, and they look at the pastors and they say, how much will your endorsement cost me? This is in Birmingham. And preachers, if I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about for real. Hand out my voter guide and I'll give you $20,000 for your building fund. Had one call me. 
because they found out that I was an influential pastor in Birmingham. Called me and said, would it be okay for us to put our material in your foyer for Sunday morning? Election's coming up. I had met them. I said, well, I'll tell you what. You ain't going to buy nothing off of me. If you're about to ask me for money, I don't want your money. That's what I told him. I said, but you know what? I like you. I might put a few out there just for people to pick up if you'll just come to church Sunday morning and worship with us. And soon as service is over with, you can put them out there in the foyer. Y'all think they came to church Sunday morning? No. Let me tell you what they did do. The next week, while we were in church, worshiping God, they brought a crew to the parking lot and put a flyer on everybody's windshield. Against what the pastor said. Let me tell you something. That was an interesting phone call. Or communication. We are not going to be bought in this house. Republican, Democrat, I don't care who you are. You cannot buy this microphone. You cannot buy this house. We are not moved by money in this house, baby. We ain't afraid to preach about money. We ain't afraid to have money. We ain't afraid for our people to have money. But money ain't the root of this house. I wish I had a church say amen. Corruption is rooted in money. Politicians retiring at age 80 and above who have never done anything but live in Washington since they were 20 years old. They have no idea how common folk, regular folk like us live. I'm not trying to be political here, but I remember way back in, in, the, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, watching the vice president of the United States running for president and thought it'd be a great photo out to, to meet people at a grocery store. I'll never forget this. He's standing at a grocery store. All of us been using them scanners now for 10 years. Beep, beep, beep. He ain't never been in a grocery store. He's standing there, got an apron on, looking like he works at the grocery store for a photo op. And somebody comes up and they run a can of beans across there and it goes, beep. He goes, oh my goodness, what is that? And I looked at him, I was like, you ain't never going to make it. You ain't never going to win. He's just like, beep. He goes, oh, and he goes, beep, beep, beep. He's like a kid. And we, the whole nation was looking at him going, Really? Oh, you gonna, you, you relate to me? Money. All, somebody, when somebody takes care of you, buys you everything, takes you everywhere. We got preachers that won't even wipe their own sweat. We got somebody standing up here when they get hot to go, listen, this is not something I'm making up. This is real. 
They're so full of themselves, so full of themselves, so driven by the mighty dollar. They got people on staff that they pay that sits in some kind of royal chair up here. When they get hot, they walk over and stick their head over there. And somebody wipes them over there, gives them a little drink, you know, does them all this, gives them some water out of a golden goblet. I don't need you to wipe my sweat. I don't need you giving up to drink in a, in a golden goblet. Give me a Sam's Choice water and my God... I, When you go there, when you allow yourself to be taken over and driven by money, you are open the door to every kind of evil. Do you hear me? Oh, listen, I believe in prosperity. But I believe in godly prosperity. I'm tired of preachers teaching about you giving and they don't give. I'm tired of hearing preachers preach series on praise, but they'll sit there with their arms crossed and won't even move while worship is going on. Don't tell me about how I'm supposed to praise if you can't praise. Don't tell me I'm supposed to give if you don't give. Don't tell me you're supposed to tithe if you don't tithe. Listen, I don't preach anything and advise you biblically to do anything that I'm not doing myself. Do I still have a church that I can preach to? Now, this is the setup. I was going to make it a one-weeker, but I realized it's going to be a two-weeker. Greed is the seedbed of all rebellion. Greed is the seedbed of murder. You murder someone when your life becomes more valuable than theirs. And it takes, it means nothing to you to take their life because they're beneath you and their life is not as worth as much as your life. Everything, politics are driven by money. There's money, listen, trace, they always say, follow the money. I don't care anything that you see that they allow you to see on any screen in front of you. Because there's a lot going on they don't allow you to see. That's going on in our world. But what they allow you to see, you better know they've allowed you to see it because there is a way that that is driving money. Either for you, I mean either for the person you're seeing, or their organization usually. And many of the organizations, listen, I'm even, I hope this comes, away, comes across nice in the way I want it to come across. But you can imagine as a pastor, I'm blown up all the time by people from other countries connecting with me online. Thanking God for our ministry, saying they watch us online, always come with, with uh, very flattering things about our ministry. And of course, I've been doing this long enough to know where it's going. If I ever respond and say, well, praise the Lord, brother. Thank God for all that you're doing there in whatever country it is. The next thing is, here is the link to give. And look, I understand. I understand that there is needs on 
ten times the level of what we see here in this church across the country, but also have been burnt many times. And I've realized that everything that you have to be even sensitive to what you give to in God. Because you don't have the ability to verify that is going where it needs to go. That's why I like to give to ministries of which I know the people on the ground. So that when, I, when that money's gone, you know, you know that it's not just lying in the pockets of some preacher. But it's actually going to where they... And look, I don't, I don't have a problem with the preacher being blessed out of it. But if you're telling me that I'm giving to shoes for children in the mountains of Peru, I want shoes put on them kids. Huh? Thank God we got a, we got a missionary in this house that makes sure of that. You might be shocked to know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about any other subject. Money and materialistic things he talked more about than he did any other subject. Even heaven and hell combined. When you go back and study the Gospels, you'll find the statements that he makes about rich and poor and finances and money and giving, good and bad, negative and positive, is more than any subject that he spoke on that is recorded in our Gospels. He knew it was he that said you're going to serve one of two masters. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve money. Did you hear that? I mean, it would be common sense for us to say, well, of course you're going to serve one of two gods, God or the devil, right? How many knows the enemy of God is the devil? But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say you're going to serve one of two gods. You're going to serve God or the devil. He said you're going to serve God or you're going to serve money. Jesus is trying to teach us something. That many people who would never allow themselves to serve Satan have allowed themselves to serve the root of everything that Satan does. I'll read it to you. And I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. I love this verse. It's Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 from the New Living Translation. He says, No one can serve two masters for you will hate the one and love the, the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. One translation said, You cannot serve God and the bank. Are y'all hearing me? Did y'all see that? Was that on the screen? I don't know. Was it? You cannot serve both God and money. So in other words, there's not, once again I'm saying there's nothing wrong with you having money. There's something really wrong with money having you. But the bottom line is this. You're never going to ever fully be able to serve God if you're consumed with money. It's impossible because if you're consumed with money, there's nothing wrong with having a desire to make money. There's nothing wrong with a desire to be successful. But when the drive and the lust for money overtakes the drive to serve God, you've made money a God. See, God wants us to finance not only the things that are in our family, but to finance the end time remnant revival, remnant rising. How many of those are supposed We have a mandate from God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That takes money. He wants us to finish strong, not weak. 
God's economy, the principles of his economy is broke up into three ways that you release the blessings of God's economy when it comes to your money. There are three ways that God says if you're faithful in these three ways, it will release and unlock the blessings of the principles of God's economy. You understand God has an economy. God has an economy. He has a way of blessing. God loves to bless. He, in, in fact, it said it is His will that you prosper and good, be in good health even as your soul prospers. All right, so the two everybody knows about, tithing and offerings. So we bring our tithe. What does tithe mean? Ten. Ten percent. Tenth. means tenth. Doesn't mean eighth. Doesn't mean sixth. Doesn't mean fifth. Huh? Tithing envelopes in the back of those pews are not magical, supernatural. You can't put five percent in there, lick it, seal it, and write on there the number, and then feel good about yourself that you just gave a tithe. No, you didn't. You gave a fifth. It's not a tithe. You gave an offering. That's right. You gave an offering. But you really didn't even give an offering because your offering is above your tithe. You just really just planted a seed, which is still not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. Anything you give to God is a blessing. But we're talking about being obedient to unlock the kingdom blessings of the kingdom economy. It should never even be a question. I don't care what you think online. Come on with it. I'll shred you. That's an inside joke here. But, and even, even if you disagree with me in here, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. If you disagree with what I'm saying right now, your, your opinion is not biblical. It should not ever be a question that a believer is a giver. It should never even be possible in the mind of a believer in Jesus Christ to not be faithful in their finances. It's not biblical if you think otherwise than that. God loves a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. It is a commandment from God. Oh, give me this Old Testament. Well, a lot of things that you talk about all the times in the Old Testament. Old Testament's not irrelevant. It was just fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus didn't stop the tithe because he gave us a better covenant. Jesus sat at the temple at, and watched all day long what people gave. He was interested in what people gave. He only rebuked the Pharisees for bragging about their tithe. He wasn't rebuking them for tithing. He was rebuking them for saying, oh yeah, you bring your tithes, then you go out in the street and tell everybody what you gave. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. It's good preaching this morning. So, to a believer, the tithe, listen to me, is the minimum. It's not the goal. It's the minimum. Say that with me. Tithe is the minimum. That's where you start. You start as a believer at, at the tithe. Everything comes from the tithe. After the tithe. Because you want what comes after the tithe because the tithe is what opens the windows of heaven. Come here, Robert. Stand right here in front of me. Stand right there. There's a window between us. Everything you need is in my hand.
I have everything you need. There's a window with bars on it. It's sealed shut. You can see it. You've heard about it. You know it's there. And I want with everything that's within me to give it to you. The unlock on the, on the window is on your side. Oh, listen to me. You know where the lock is on a window? In your house. The lock ain't on the outside of your house. The security system sensors and everything to protect your house is on the inside of your house. The lock to your doors that locks and unlocks and lets people in is on what side of the door? On the house side. Oh, I can see the doorknob. I can see the window. I can look through the window and see the alarm keypad glowing red. But I know that if I bust the window and come in, I've broken the principle of you being the leader of your house and you having dominion. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shouting. He gave you dominion over your house. God is the God of everything, but he lets you stand in the gap against the devil for your house. He ain't going to force himself into your house. In fact, doesn't the Bible say, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the and lets me in, I'll come in and I'll sit down with you and I'll have dinner with you and I'll answer every question you got. But until you open the door, I'm not coming in. Because it's your house and the lock is on your side. Here's the power of time. It doesn't Bless you. Oh, y'all ain't going to be able to handle this. Tithing does not bless you. Tithing simply unlocks the window. So here it is. I want to give this to you. I want to bless you. But I can't get it to you because I would be breaking my own law and my own word by giving you dominion over your life. So tithing is the principle of you acknowledging that I could take it all if I wanted to. But I've declared the tenth to be holy. And it's mine. And as long as you keep it, you're a thief and a robber. You think you're locking everybody else, the thief and the robbers out, but you're really locking the thief and the robber in. Woo, y'all going to come back next Sunday? Hey, how about this? That's a great message going into Thanksgiving. While well, you eating that turkey, you're going to still be mad at me. Watch this. You ain't getting it. You ain't getting it. You ain't getting it yet. Until you unlock the window and open it. Go ahead. You want to give me your car? That's a giver right there. Okay. Open that window. Now watch this. First thing that hits you. A breeze, fresh air. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. All of a sudden, the tent on the window, the blinds, 
the dirtiness, the scales, the mildew that was clouding what you thought the world looked like. When the window is up, ain't nothing standing between you and the real thing. Now you can see things the way they really look. And it changes your perspective. Because now you've removed the barrier. But the most important thing is, now you've opened the windows of heaven. See, the only difference between this window and that window is a window in your house is horizontal. But the windows of heaven are vertical. Oh, y'all ain't ready for this next part. Here's why you need to unlock those windows. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. God brings His blessings from above and down through the first heaven, through the second heaven. And then when it enters the third heaven of the atmospheric of your life, if the window ain't open, it just hits that window and starts looking for an open window. I'm going to tell you, sometimes other people will get the blessings that were supposed to be yours. And the only difference between them and you, not that you any better or they any better, but the window was just simply open and yours was closed. How many people all their life keeps getting hit like this? Over and over and over and over and over again until one day they get obedient and open up the windows of heaven. Reach up with your praise. The only way you can open up a window that's above you is you got to reach up with your praise. Put your hands up and open that window. Put your hands up and give it to God. Trust Him. And when you tithe and you give Him praise, all of a sudden, the good and the perfect gifts come down from the fire. Do you understand where I'm going with it? You can walk around here all day long being blessed. Everybody in the world think you're blessed. How you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But you ain't never going to fully be blessed if the window of heaven over your head is closed. Can I tell you something? I don't believe that you can... That, my gosh, it's 12 o'clock already. I don't believe that you can buy your healing. But healing comes from above. It... The, I'm not saying if you tithe, you'll be healed. But I'm saying that if you want healing to flow a little more freely in you, on you, and on your family, you might need to have an open window above your family. You might need to have an open heaven above you in the doctor's office. I'll close with this and finish next week. Tithing is the minimum. And then above your tithe is offerings. Which are the seeds that are planted for your harvest. And then there's a third way that we talk about around this time every year called first fruits. First fruits is the first entire something. And I'll teach on that principle next week. But since the hay barn, probably 1997, somewhere around that time to this day, Every single January of every single year, the first month of the year, we bring our first fruits. And I can't tell you the testimony. I had a man sit on my back porch this week telling me the testimony 
of his first fruits that blew his mind. First fruits were powerful. The first full something. Not 10%, 100%. And then after that, I'll teach you that principle next week. That tenth stays holy, but something supernatural happens to the nanny that's left when you've brought your first fruits. Amen. You receive the word today? Give the Lord a praise right now. Somebody shout, Jesus, I want the windows above me to be open. Stand to your feet all over this house. You're watching online, raise your hands. Everybody in this church, raise your hands to the Lord right now if you feel led to do it. Come on, let's raise them up high. Just worship Him for just a moment. While you're worshiping, I'm going to speak up something over your life and then we're going to pray but just worship him get in the spirit of worship get your mind off of everything else except him except God right now Father as people go today as they go forth today as our hands are raised before you palm branches before you waving before the king of kings change our perspective Lord help us Lord to see the world the way you see it help us to see our life the way you see our life it's valuable it means something it has purpose You've called us to greatness in you, to faithfulness in you. So, Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Savior, let this be the day and the moment that they repent before you, God, and make their hearts right with God. Those that love the Lord but are convicted by the Holy Spirit, not condemned by the pastor, but convicted by the Holy Spirit that they have not been giving, there's no condemnation them what you're in Christ Jesus. What's happened in the past is the past. Help them to make a new commitment today to be a giver, to be obedient, to not be driven by money, but to be driven by the glory of the Lord. Everybody in this house, say these, these words with me because you're not just saying them for yourself, but you're saying them as you help your brothers and sisters all around this house. Online, I want you to do it as well. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I believe you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I want to say thank you for suffering and dying for me. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you for bringing Jesus back from the dead. I confess you, Jesus, and I believe you are alive. I ask you to forgive me. You are my king. You are my Lord. I am a believer and I am a child of God. Therefore, I am driven by you, not by the world system. I will be obedient. I declare no matter what is happening in my life or what has happened in my life or the fear of what might happen in my life, I call myself a faithful giver, a cheerful giver, and obedient. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise right now. CJ, come up here. Dismiss us today. Speak a blessing. Um, is there something I'm supposed to remind them of? Can't remember. All right. I don't know. Just, just be good. Do good, okay? Be good people. Look at somebody say, be good.